Let's pray. Glorious God, when Jesus was baptized for your healing mission, the heavens opened in a flash of glory as vision and voice blazed upon the waters. May your spirit so burn in us that we hear your words translated into deed and follow Jesus in paths of justice, right relationship, and peace. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. This is God's servant described. But here is my servant, the one I uphold, my chosen, who brings me delight. I'll put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He won't cry out or shout aloud or make his voice heard in public. He won't break a bruised reed. He won't distinguish a faint wick, but he will surely bring justice. He won't be extinguished or broken until he has established justice in the land. The coastlands await his teaching. God the Lord says, the one who created the heavens, the one who stretched them out, the one who spread out the earth and its offspring, the one who gave breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you for a good reason. I will grasp your hand and guard you and give you a covenant to the people as a light to the nations. To open blind eyes, to lead the prisoners from prison and those who sit in darkness from the dungeon. I am the Lord, this is my name. I don't hand out my glory to others or my praise to idols. The things announced in the past, look, they've already happened, but I'm declaring new things. Before they even appear, I tell you about them. Our second reading this morning is a Psalm of David, Psalm 29. You, divine beings, give to the Lord. Give to the Lord glory and power. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bow down to the Lord in holy splendor. The Lord's voice is over the waters. The glorious God thunders. The Lord is over the mighty waters. The Lord's voice is strong. The Lord's voice is majestic. The Lord's voice breaks cedar trees. Yes, the Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon jump around like a young bull, makes Syrian jump around like a young wild ox. The Lord's voice unleashes fiery flames. The Lord's voice shakes the wilderness. Yes, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kaddish, the Lord's voice convulses the oak, strips the forest bare, but in his temple everyone shouts, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood waters. The Lord sits enthroned, King forever. Let the Lord give strength to his people. Let the Lord bless his people with peace.
Our sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop him and say, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? Jesus answered, Allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water. Heaven was opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove resting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. The word of God for the people of God. What is going on at the Jordan River? There's not enough description as to what's taking place for us. But let me try and paint the picture for you. This guy shows up in the wilderness. Maybe kind of full beard and slightly unkempt looking, wearing a camel hair, kind of smock and a belt. And he shows up in the wilderness and he's surviving on wild honey and locusts. That's what he's eating. And all of a sudden, people start coming out to him at the river. John says, repent and be baptized. So the people came and they lined up. Is that the kind of person that would draw you in? Would you line up? Would you line up to take all your clothes off and to go into this river naked and to be immersed by this person and come out clean? What John is doing is not unheard of in Jewish life. This was a common thing. You see, Jewish life was based on this idea of purity of the body. And everything was built around this concept of of keeping your body pure. But if you do something or have to do something that defiles your body or makes it unpure, there were these rituals to make you pure again, to clean you. And they were all based around water. So you had to find a natural water source. You couldn't just take buckets and fill up some kind of tub and then dip yourself in it. It had to be a natural water source. So a river would work great. But they have found under the Temple Mound that they had all of these carved out, spring-fed you know, things with steps going in one way and out the other. I think the technical term was a mikvah. Um, So you would go in, you would strip your clothes, go in naked, because nothing could be between you and the water, and you would come out and you would be cleansed, and you were then able to go into the temple and be part of Jewish religious life again. Now, what are some of the things that would force you to do this? If you touched a dead body of any kind, you were unclean and you had to be made clean. Women, unfortunately... Women did this a lot more than men did. Every month after menstruation, you had to go through and be cleansed. After childbirth, after so many days, you had to go through and be cleansed. 
Men had it a lot easier. That's not a new concept. But there were all these different ways that your body could be made unacceptable to enter God's temple. So that's what's going on at the Jordan River. That's what John is doing. John is doing a purification ritual for the people to be made ready for what was to come. To be washed of their sins. So why did Jesus come to John to be baptized? If Jesus was not unpure in some manner, why did he come to John? Jesus tells us that this was necessary. Necessary to fulfill all righteousness. Necessary for what God was doing in the world through Jesus. This was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Right? We have his birth story that we just went through. And then this one story of Jesus who pops up around 12 years old at the temple. And this is the next time we see Jesus. Roughly 30 years of age. And this is the start of his official ministry in the world. Now if you were a Jewish person, you would go through these rituals anytime you needed to. This was not a one-and-done kind of baptism. In fact, this is not the baptism that we celebrate in the church today. Jesus changed the meaning of baptism. Jesus changed what it meant to be pure. And unfortunately, what had happened by the time Jesus comes into the picture is this idea of purity had been distorted by those in power and used to oppress people. The religious leaders could say, this now makes you impure, and you have to do the following things to become pure again. Maybe you have to sacrifice at the temple. Well, then you've got to pay for an animal to be sacrificed. And there are all these ways that religious leaders used purity as a way to control people. That still goes on today. I've been listening to a podcast about um, kind of the church in the time that I grew up, late 80s, early 90s. You know, I graduated high school in 1995. Purity culture. My cousins got really into it, but purity rings, have you heard of purity rings? Everyone familiar with this? I don't think it's a thing anymore, really, but maybe it is, or maybe I'm outside of that, but this idea of, you know, and it was all tied to sexuality, remaining a virgin until marriage, and there were these purity rings that people would wear as a teen, you know, to, to show that they were pure. So this concept of purity hasn't totally gone away. It shows up in different places. But it's important, as we look at the baptism of Jesus, and the world that he lived in, and being an observant Jew and what he would do for his faith, it's important to look at how Jesus changed what these things meant. Because remember, Jesus was coming into a place that was, you know, removed, far removed from when Moses was given the Ten Commandments, far removed from when the law was given. 
And all of that had been changed and morphed into something that was hugely oppressive to the people. Something that was this burden to the average person. Something that was used by those in power against people. So Jesus comes to John to be baptized. And in doing so, begins to usher in these changes that God is doing in the world. Jesus takes this concept of purity and what it means to be pure and removes the burden of it and reminds the people that there's nothing we can do to make ourselves pure. It is God that makes us righteous. It is God that makes us pure if you want to use that. It is God that looks at us, who loves us, who calls us each by name, who seals us to God. It's a gift. This is the kind of baptism that we celebrate. When we have a baptism, it's about belonging. Baptism is about belonging. It was about belonging for Jesus and for the people gathered at the Jordan River because to not go through those purification rituals, you did not belong in the temple. You did not belong with the people. You did not belong in Jewish religious life. Our baptism is also about belonging. But it's a belonging that cannot be removed from us. It's a belonging that is given to us by God as a gift. A belonging that we cannot do anything to remove ourselves from. Friends, if there's one thing I think we in the modern church need to do is reclaim this gift of belonging. When we talk about what the gospel is about, what the good news is that was proclaimed by the angels to the shepherds, it is about belonging. We belong to God. God has made that so. And nothing we can do can change that. Nothing can separate us from God. The work that Jesus did in his ministry through his death and resurrection sealed that for good. Never again do we have to go impure into a river to be made pure and worthy. It's about belonging. And we need to reclaim that as good news for the people. Because people long to belong. There is something in us that we need to belong with other people. We're hardwired for it. We need to be in community with others. And the problem that we're seeing and have seen is that as the church has lost their voice in this, others have spoken up to provide a sense of belonging and purpose for them. That's why conspiracy theories are so enticing. Because they give people a sense of belonging and purpose. 
That's how gangs work. A gang will take an 11-year-old kid who doesn't fit in and doesn't belong anywhere and say, you belong with us. Hate groups are really good at giving people a sense of belonging and purpose. And they know just how to seek out the people that need it the most. If we want to see those things change in our culture, then we have to offer people a different sense of belonging. One that is not conditional. One that is unending. One that provides hope and peace and joy and love. We have to reclaim the voice of true belonging. That we belong to God. We belong to one another. God has made us that way. God has called us into this relationship. And everyone has a place here. Everybody has a place here. And it's our job to especially seek out those who are marginalized, those who are told that they don't belong, that they're not worth anything, and tell them you are of infinite worth. You belong. You belong with us because of what Jesus did for us. In this new year, as we think of resolutions, if you still make resolutions, I don't, because why disappoint yourself three weeks later? But as a church, we need to do this hard work of reclaiming our voice, to stop being timid, to offer people hope, to offer them a place of true belonging. That is what people need. That will, will fit a hole in them that only God can fill. Because all of these other senses of belonging are fleeting, and they're conditional, and they're toxic, and they're destructive. The belonging God offers us is edifying, and it fills us. And it will multiply and overflow from us. And it will bring joy to us that is without ending. That's what Christmas was all about. That's what Jesus' ministry is all about. That's what the work of the church is all about. If you are comfortably able, will you please stand for our charge and benediction? Friends, hear and receive the good news. You belong to God. God called you each by name. God sealed you to God's self. You are worthy because God made you worthy. And nothing can separate you from God. Really receive that. Let it dwell within you. Because joy comes with it. And then go out into this world with people 
desperate to belong and shout it from the hilltops. Shout it. Say, you do belong. You belong with God. Let us as God's people go out into this world to transform it, to complete what Jesus started. We have been with Jesus to the river of Jordan, the river of life, the river of promise. Go forth in the joy of life to live as children of the promise.